0: on. It continues on, but I think you get the point. We are talking in John about a relationship with God. And it's a powerful relationship. We're in John chapter 15. Please turn to your Bibles there. You'll be, we'll be talking more about the relationship of which we have with God. And what does this mean for our relationship with the world? But allow me to set the scene and remind you as I've had just a great joy, I hope you have too, Just kind of meditating upon these words. So Jesus has been in what they call the upper room discourse. He's been speaking to his disciples. And as we say his disciples, I want to note, he is now speaking to the believers. We're at a time where Judas has left the room. Peter has been told that he will soon deny Christ. Jesus is telling these believers, these followers of his That soon he will depart. He will leave. And yet he tells all his believers here still with him that they need not fear. They need not have troubled hearts. We spoke of this a couple weeks ago and we looked to that. We said, why do they not need to have troubled hearts? Why do we not need to have troubled hearts? Well, for one, Jesus is going to prepare a better place for us. For two, we need not have troubled hearts. The disciples also did not need to have troubled hearts. For Jesus has revealed the Father. Jesus is connecting them to the Father. And because of this, Jesus is also connecting us together. Now he led into a great illustration then, I believe, as he now leaves the upper room. But he continues to talk. Now, maybe he didn't leave. Maybe he says, let us rise up, let us depart. But like many pastors who say, I'm about to end, let's get up, let's get ready. Well, then he continues on. Either way, he has a great message as we looked last week to the message of the vine, the true vine, and abiding in that vine, the true vine. And we saw that as us being branches connect to the true vine, connected to the true vine, which is Christ, we're then connected to God, the Father, who is the caretaker, the vine dresser, the Master Gardener, and He gives us all we need. I said it's it's like being connected to a caretaker who puts miracle grow in that soil. Because he gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us something which doesn't come naturally in this world full of sin. He gives us life, but it's it's a sap of life which continues to help us to flourish. And then as that master gardener, God works through Christ. The bad things are trimmed away, we're pruned to bear more fruit or better fruit, and that fruit is the evidence of our salvation as well. And Christ says that we must bear fruit in this world so that others may see it as well. Now we transition, we move forward we John chapter 15, verse 18, and we're going to move forward all the way through chapter 16, verse 4, as we got a little bit of a weird page break here, chapter break, that it continues on through verse 4. As we continue, we see not just our relationship with God, our relationship with the triune God, being connected to the true vine and connected to God the Father, the vine dresser, but we see that... What does this relationship look like in a world full of hate? For Jesus says we're no longer of this world. He has pulled us out of the world. He's chosen us out of the world. And now we live in a world of hate, but we do not live alone. Now, this is a hard message to preach, I must admit to you. You see, many evangelicals, many pastors, many preachers, many motivational speakers, I'm going to call them, they choose to skip over these types of messages They eliminate the negative preaching. They eliminate the negative parts of the Bible. They want to preach a gospel message of nothing but prosperity. They want to speak of nothing but wonderful, healthy, comfortable lives, full of wealth and worldly blessings. They may even use the famous line, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Now I want to tell you, that is true. God does love you and God desires you to have a wonderful life and he will bless you with a wonderful life. But we need to also preach the other side of it, just as Jesus does. Jesus prepares his disciples by telling them that they will be hated in this life for they are not of the world. They will be persecuted, they will be despised greatly. In fact, one commentary wrote in the last five years shares this information, which is baffling to me because we don't study it enough as we live in such a free country. Estimates by early Christian, I'm sorry, estimates by Christian research groups, and this commentator is getting information from the last five years, so it's not even that dated. Estimates by Christian Research Group put the annual number of Christians killed by a direct result of their faith as high as eight thousand people per year. Another study found one hundred and eleven countries who are either restrict or are hostile still to Christianity. It's also reported that in North Korea alone, it is said to have fifty to seventy thousand Christians being held in detention camps. Furthermore, it's reported that more than 100 million Christians are suffering in some type of persecution around the globe at this very moment. Why though? Why all the persecution? Why are Christians so hated? And what are we to do about it? Jesus will go into this in John chapter 15, and we're going to read that now. Jesus will explain the reason for the world's hate, but he doesn't leave there. He doesn't leave us just to keep thinking about what are we to do about it. He arms his disciples. He arms his believers with information on what to do next. Let's read. Please follow along in your Bibles from John 15, 18 to 6, 4. And this is Jesus speaking again to believers. He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Verse 23, now if you're following along, John 15. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear a witness about me. And you also will bear witness. Because you have been with me and from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Before we talk about the word, let me pray. Please bow your heads. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these words on these pages are not just words written by, by mortal human minds and hands, but these are inspired words of you. Lord, we thank you for within this word is wisdom, is hope, is truth, is love, and so much more. And Lord, we pray for this word now to impact our lives greatly. We pray for you to soften our hearts, our souls, our minds to hear what you have for us. Speak to us. And through us, Lord, for your glory and for the glory of your plan and for your people. Lord, we thank you for those who are present with us. But we pray for those who aren't with us. Lord, we pray for you to bring them back to us. Bring them back to you. Bring them back into your word. Wherever they are, may they be seeking you out with their whole heart. May they be seeking you that they might find you as we do. And Lord, if we're struggling today, somebody's struggling here today, we just pray, Lord, may they seek you all the more through your word, through your spirit, through Jesus. May they feel your presence, for it does not leave them. We are not left as orphans to fend for ourselves. We have God with us all, always, everywhere we go. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement it brings to life, the conviction it brings to life, the great teaching may it teach us now amen amen as we go into the word i want to repeat just a couple verses here verses 18 to 20 it says this if the world hates you notice that word if and we'll talk about that later if the world hates you know that it has hated me before it hated you if you are of the world the world would love you as its own but because you're not of the world but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. As we go into the word of God this morning, there's a few points which are obvious, which we have to point out. Two facts or observation from the text of which we must first point out. Number one is this, Jesus is hated. Jesus is hated. And number two, the world may hate you, may hate you. Emphasis on may. I underlined both those words because we're going to talk about those words. Why may? What does this mean? Well, in that point two, Jesus, that Jesus is hated and the point two, the world may hate you, we'll see two things. We'll see the hated and we'll see the loved of the world. But let's start with the hated Jesus. You see, Jesus is still talking with his disciples. He's talking with believers. He's talking about to the true believers who have not left his side, who are not persecuting him, who are not betraying him. And as true disciples, we know from last week we are to be obeying the word of God. As true disciples, we are to be living as Jesus did doing the work and ministry of God, continuing on the work of Christ. But we also know as true disciples, God will be pruning us to help us to bear fruit. Now, I don't know about you, and maybe you don't, maybe you do, but when I drive down the road and I see an apple tree, I often see the fruit that's coming off that tree. I wish I saw some other type of fruit trees, but we don't get those around here like orange trees. I like those. Apple trees are good too. Don't get me wrong. But here's the other thing about a fruit tree, an apple tree. You also see people picking those apples. Here's the thing. As true disciples, we will be bearing fruit. That fruit will be seen, but it shouldn't just be seen by the world. The world should be being blessed by that fruit also. Well, here we transition to see something different. You see, the more fruit Or the better fruit, the more beautiful fruit, the stronger fruit, the bigger fruit that true disciples are bearing. It will be noticed by all. And this doesn't always mean it's noticed in a good way to us. You see, the fruit is seen. It's evidence for our faith. The love and kindness of God will be seen by all in you. But... In this, hatred will also be seen. And that's what we speak of today, living in a world of hate. Jesus prepares his disciples on living in a world of hate. Jesus wants his followers to know that although we are now friends of God, we're friends of Christ. It doesn't mean life will always be easy. That's the hard message for today. For all of us as believers, life is not always easy as a believer in fact the opposite is true that's the hard thing to say it's the hard thing to sit and meditate upon as i wrote this out i thought about this i thought as a believer it's hard to say it's hard to acknowledge that we live in a hateful world as i wrote this out i thought about my kids i saw about putting them to bed i thought about how we don't generally put kids to bed telling them stories about how to live in a world of hate do we We don't generally wake up in the morning, drink our coffee, sip on coffee, and think about, all right, I'm going out into another world full of hate, do we? We don't want to acknowledge these things, but maybe we should. We so often want to tell our kids about how everybody loves them and about how everybody's going to accept them. If they don't accept them, they have a problem. Well, you know what? They do have a problem. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And we need to prepare them. We need to prepare ourselves that God is really the only one who truly loves them. The world will hate all those who love God. And Christ reminds us first of this to look to Himself. Number one, Christ is hated. Christ was hated before you. He's rejected by his own created beings. You see, what's so powerful is in this very scripture, about 12 hours or less than 12 hours, the very next day after Christ writing this about being hated, he'll be arrested. He'll be mocked. He'll be spit upon. He'll be tortured. He'll be cursed. He'll be nailed up to a cross to die. And if they reject him the Messiah, the prophesied one, the one of which millions might have welcomed in on that Palm Sunday. Why would we expect anything less for being his followers? Should we think that the servants would be treated greater than the master? Jesus says no. Two questions come to mind here as we move forward. Why is Jesus telling them this? I mean, this isn't generally the message that some motivational speaker, some inspiring man would tell people. It's not a message to get followers generally, is it? Follow me, I'll make you hated by everyone. (laughs) No. And then secondly, what are we to do about it? What are we to do about it? Well, the first question is easy. Why is he telling them? Jesus wants to prepare them. That although he has pulled them out of the world, they still have to await the coming world of which Christ is preparing them for. Not just this. Jesus is preparing them because he loves them and he doesn't want them to stumble. You see, it's more loving for him to prepare his followers so that they're not in shock. They're not in awe. They're not surprised by some blind teaching, by some heretical teaching of prosperity when really the world is not all roses, is it? Jesus is also preparing them because God is not yet done with the world and he's not yet done using them. Next, why did he wait till now to tell them? Well, the answer is this. Before now, They did not need to know this. Jesus was there taking upon himself all the ridicule, all the attention. Jesus was there to bear upon himself all of the persecution. But now Jesus says, I will soon be departing you. So he prepares them that with him no longer there, they will be the center of the world's attention. They will be the center of Satan's attention because Satan wants to take anything away from glorifying God. So now we move to point two. The world will hate Those who follow Jesus. You see, the disciples 2,000 years ago, they were persecuted, and they were persecuted greatly. And it's no different for us, but hopefully, maybe, at least in some areas, not to the same degree. You see, historians believe that Nero would commit great, did commit great atrocities to followers of Christ. Listen to this. Some of these are too horrific to even speak out loud, but I'm gonna share with you a few, one being this. Historians have found, believe, that Nero Nero was so terrible in his persecution of Christians. It's just one thing, that Christ's followers would be covered in wax, pitch, or resin, made into almost like a six-foot-tall human candle covered in wax, impaled on a post, and lit on fire. Nero would cut off limbs to see how much they could take before trying to get them to deny their faith in Christ and leave Christ. We know from history of God and God's word of many tortures, many beheadings of God's people, many burnings at the stake and with oil. You see, God's people were hated then, and it continues to happen, but maybe a little bit different, especially depending on where you live. But I do not want to tell you that this very same crucial type of things don't happen. We have missionaries in here who have been around the world and have seen horrific acts against Christians. It's still happening today. It just might look different. This isn't exactly the words that we want to hear, though, is it? I said this is a hard sermon to preach. By following Christ, you will be hated. Look, they followed the master. Why would they not follow, also hate the one who follows him? But listen to this. Because of following the master, because of following Christ, we no longer live in darkness. We no longer live in hatred or wrath of God. We no longer live in pain and agony of seeking out where do we find hope? Where do we find purpose? Where do we find true love that lasts not just for this lifetime but forever? We're not lonely without hope of purpose of better things to come. You see, with living in Christ, we're, we're constantly reminded we are not of this world because we belong to a better one. Despite living in a world of hate, we have more to look forward to. Or do you? I said there's two point, points to this, and the second part of this is you may be hated, Look at verses 18 to 20 once again. It says this. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. You see, I want to point out this first word, if the world hates you. Now, I do believe that, again, Jesus is speaking to apostles, disciples, true believers. And that's where, why he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, he's acknowledging these men, they're not of the world. They are of his own kingdom. They've been pulled out. But he's also acknowledging the opposite, that there are others of which the world doesn't hate. and In fact, the world loves. Because although maybe they choose to say they follow Jesus, they don't really truly live that way. They're not shining a light. Some will choose not to follow Jesus as they should. They may proclaim to follow him, but they don't show the light of Christ. They may claim to be connected to the vine, but it's not the true vine. They may choose to think they're bearing fruit, but their fruit is not used for Jesus, it's used for themselves. And if the light of Christ is not seen in them, it means that they're not truly doing the work of God at all. Two questions come to mind here as we start to get closer to wrapping up here. We must discuss why are they hated so, and what are we to do? Why does the world hate us? Well, let's start with this. We serve the one that they hate. You see, it's not specifically us, it's him. And it's what he's doing with our life. They hate what his light shows them. They hate that it illuminates their darkness. They know not of God the Father, and they definitely do not know of the light-abiding life. I heard a pastor once give an explanation this. Let me explain this to you. And I hope this just brings an idea to you of... Maybe something you've seen in a movie and not yourself. Because this is the things of nightmares. He says this. Have you ever walked down into a cellar or a basement, flipped the light on, and seen snakes, mice, rats, bugs go running up the walls or under a box? Anything to get away from the light. Who here likes snakes? Who likes spiders? Who likes bugs? Okay, a few of you like some things, but... (laughs) sorry hazel was raising her hands how much she likes these things i can tell you I've, I've flipped on the light in my basement before and i've seen those things with like a thousand legs go running squirming under a box and you know we hate to see them but they hate to see us even more here's the point this is like what happens when people of the world encounter the light of christ they want to run they want to flee because the light of Christ is showing them it's shining light into the darkness of their lives to reveal the guiltiness of their, of their lifestyles of how they're living. The light of Christ illuminates the darkness to show them that there is a better way to live. But because this, they need to make a choice. And that fight or flight instinct kicks in. And so often their natural desire due to the sin in their life is to flee when they should be fighting. Now the opposite is true. So often they do fight, but they don't fight against the sin. They don't run to Jesus. They fight you. They fight me. They fight anything to make them feel better and not have to do the hard thing. And that's make a change. Anybody in here just love change? The older I get, I'm realizing how change is harder. And I know I'm still young to most of you in here. They get scared when the light is revealed because they know that the way they're living isn't the right way to live. They have just had the darkest part of their lives revealed and they can no longer live in this wrongfulness. There's no excuse for their sin, Jesus says. So what are they to do? Well, they make everybody around them seem like crummy people, you included. Because they have crummy people in their lives makes them feel better about their life. To have a world full of crummy people just makes it feel a little bit more like home to them. But here's what we need to do. We need to realize that love trumps hate. Love trumps evil. And we need to choose love. Choose love. I've got this somewhere here. I'm going to leave my, note, my slides. I'll let Dave handle it if he's back there. We need to be ambassadors of Christ. That's what Tim had said here from the communion table as well. You see, there's so many people already out there seeking to devour Christians. Why are we doing that ourselves? Why do we so often devour each other, fighting with each other, instead of seeking to be God's workers, going out into the world and sharing the gospel Of Jesus, which is a gospel of love, peace, forgiveness, grace. How many Christians do you know who you can say you see a lot of harsh words come from that aren't always told in love? They're told harshly. Some Christians... They choose not to do this at all, not to speak out at all. They choose to hide, to run. They attempt to escape the world by moving to isolated areas or to live in areas surrounded by no one else but brothers and sisters in Christ. And whereas I believe this can be good at a time, it also is not how we're called to live. We are called to be ambassadors of Christ. We are called, we are commissioned to be missionaries. We are called to go out into the dying world, to go out into the hating world, hate, hate, and to live, truly live by proclaiming a different message. And when we look to God's word, we see that the disciples did just this. After Jesus tells them that they will be living with hate, they don't cower in fear, they don't hide, they don't go live in some commune by themselves. Or only with brothers and sisters in Christ, they continue to preach the peace and redemption of God which is found through Christ. That's what we are to do. We are to tell a message of love, a message of love which trumps all the hate in the world. Turn the world upside down with the grace of Jesus, is what I wrote. Turn the world upside down with the grace of Jesus. Here's my challenge as we work to close here. Number one is simply this. Carry on. Carry on. This is just looking at the very purpose of Jesus talking here. This was his purpose. He says it in that first verse of chapter 16. He does not want them to fall away. He says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. You see, the greatest danger that the disciples would face was not the persecution. It was not the hatred. It was not the killing or the pain. The greatest danger they had was to fall away, to not truly follow Christ, to not truly do his work. And the same danger is there for us today, too. Carry on. Carry on, wayward soldier. The Greek word referred to here in falling away is, is what we, in my mind, also get the word scandal. It's scandalizo. I think there's no accident so close to the word scandal because it is a scandal for any Christian to fall away. It's a scandal. The word scandal also means a stumbling block. You see, the world's hatred is a stumbling block to Christians, as it makes us reconsider our faith at times, but we must always come back to Jesus. I wrote down, as we carry on, we must get up, rub some dirt on our wounds, walk it off, go to your Lord in prayer and seek the medication and wound care which is only found in his holy word. Get encouragement and love from brothers and sisters in Christ and carry on. You see, I truly believe that Christians can face the worst and yet still live and thrive. Recognizing that Jesus was there first and he knows what you're going through. He is your friend, he is your Lord, he is your Savior, and he does not leave you alone to just deal with it. Have you ever had somebody tell you those words, just deal with it, figure it out on your own. I don't have time for you. That's not what Jesus says to us. Christians can face the worst. We can press on, we can press ahead because we know Jesus is there to help us. Let's move forward. Romans 8. In Romans 8, Christians are reminded that we can proclaim with joy that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Philippians 3.20, we can remember that our citizenship is not here. We're aliens here because our citizenship is in heaven. We are awaiting, eagerly awaiting the great Lord Jesus to bring us home. And then challenge number two here, challenge number two here is simply this. While living in a world of hate, show love all the more. As I said earlier, it's so easy to want to withdraw to a quiet place. It's so easy to want to avoid the hate. It's so easy to not want to show love to those who do hate you. But we must win them over with love. May our conduct win them over. First Peter chapter 2 instructs us to live such good lives among the pagans... That those who accuse you of doing wrong may see your good deeds, love, and glorify God. That's how we're to live. You see, we're to be salt, not sugar. Please understand this. We are to be salt, not sugar. We don't sugarcoat these things. But we must also remember that our salt is to show people the better way to live is in Jesus. The spice of life is Jesus, and may your saltiness be his ways. He does not just make things more palatable, more interesting, more digestible. He's not just like a Heinz ketchup to make it slide down a little easier. He makes life sustainable to carry on to his future home. Romans 12, 1-2 tells us, Let us not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the newness of life newness of mind of which you've been blessed with we must live transformed lives and we must carry on and move on carry on and move on move on with the gospel love of jesus i have some final applications for you take home here one is this ask yourself these are real questions i want you to do as i do myself also ask yourself are you being hated upon or are you living being loved by the world there's a very real question for us to ask ourselves in the scripture. If the world hates you, does the world hate you or does the world love you? Not that we all want to be hated at all, but it does make us just think through. It could just be that you're not shining the light of Christ, lighting up, lighting up the darkness in the world as you should. Jesus says that the world may reject us, and this is only said because of us representing him. So I do want us also to look at our lives and ask us, does the world hate you? Or are they persecuting you because of your love for Jesus? Or as hurtful and hard as it is to say, is it just because maybe you're rude, you're obnoxious, you're annoying, or you're unlawful, or you're living in a way which isn't easy for them to love? The world should hate be looking to you and seeing the fruit of being a Christ follower. How are you living? Are you being persecuted because of Christ or because of your attitude? Ask yourself this next question. How can you think of suffering differently? How can you think of suffering differently, not as something that makes you withdraw, but of something that you can wear as a badge of honor and know I suffer because I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? I suffer because when people look to my life, they see not my own ways, they see Jesus' ways. I suffer because people see God in me. I suffer because when they look to me, they see the guiltiness of their own ways and they know they need to change. Keep this in mind. You live not pointlessly, not without purpose, but knowing that even in your suffering, you can be a witness of Christ. And then finally, ask yourself this. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to be used by God in such a hurting, hard way? Because God will use you even in these hating times. Jesus told his disciples how to prepare themselves. He said to be prepared by remembering that the Holy Spirit is with them. Amid hatred, persecution, killing, great distress, God promises his presence to be with you. And with that presence will come wisdom. Will come comfort. Will come peace. Be prepared for the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, and to tell you which way to go. But then follow him. Be prepared by remembering his words. Think you can't remember it? Remember what we said about the Holy Spirit the other week. One of his jobs is to remind you of the sayings of Jesus. Be prepared by remembering that you're not of this world. And no matter how much the world may hate you, despise you, treat you badly... You have a better world awaiting you. We have a better world awaiting you. And the finally, my closing application be prepared by bearing a witness of Christ. Jesus tells us that in chapter 15, verse 17. He says, Not only will the Holy Spirit bear a witness of Jesus, but true disciples bear a witness of Christ. Does your life bear a witness? If so, you will be hated. But remember that because of your relationship with God, because of being connected to the true vine, we're connected to God the Father, and he will care for you. He'll give you all you need to push forward. And we await as citizens of heaven a great return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Focus on that. Focus on the fact that you're never alone. God loves you. Let's close in prayer, and we'll have one final song. Lord, we thank you for this message, a hard message to hear, Lord. But we're thankful for knowing that it's proof that we do know you, Lord. And we have made a change in our life. We're no longer of this world, for we live in your righteousness. And we're awaiting the world that you're preparing for us. Lord, hold us together. May you use your Holy Spirit to remind us of the greatness which is to be found in you. And help us to bear fruit. Prune us. It might hurt, Lord, but prune us. Take away the evil things, so that we might live in the righteousness, and so that others might come to know you through us, through your work done. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. All God's.